thank you for joining us here at The Spiritual Frequency, a podcast about magic, metaphysics, and mysticism in the modern world. My name is Dana Jean Walter of Campathena, Sonic Priestess in the She Shed, and I'm here with my delightful partner in crime, Miss Tangi Cassidy of The Grown-Ass Witch. Hala, Hiya! What's we're, up, girl? Uh, so are we going on a heist? We're going on a heist, <laughs> yeah. So, so the, the Italian job in our East St. Paul neighborhood. Uh, no, we are here to celebrate the third part of our three-part series on working with deity. Very excited that we've been doing this series thing. I think it's been working out really great. And I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm hoping that this content has been helpful. It's been fun for me to go through and sort of think about some things and examine my practices and habits and um, kind of call myself to the carpet on a few things, Walk too. my talk. <laughs> Yay. So today's topic in this three-part series is about building spirit houses, altars, creating space for you to build relationship with deity further by creating space for them in your home that is holy and sacred. Correct? And that's a wrap. (laughs) (laughs) So our first, uh, for those of you that haven't seen part one or part two, um, you know, you can see these out of sequence or listen to them out of sequence too, but we really encourage you to listen to all three because they do build upon each other. And so first we set out overall how to work with deity, how to what is deity, how do you walk that out? And the second part was about uncrossing and road opening work to be able to prepare yourself to work with spirit in that way. And today is about building a house for them. Right. You've invited them over. Mm-hmm. You've probably, you know, had them around and had a couple chats and decided if there is benefit to working with one another. And now you are going to hand them a key and let them come and go as they please. Wouldn't it be nice if your roommate had some space of their own? <laughs> so they don't eat your cheese. Right. <laughs> so, Unless you decide to give it to them as food. So, that's, yeah. That's part of the discussion, so that's, that's okay. Great. And we could talk about cheese for days, but that was a previous episode. So, <laughs> so we're talking about um, building sacred space so that your new spiritual friend, be they a deity, be they an ancestor, um, an elemental, um, just like a thought form or an idea, something that you're working really hard on that you want to manifest into this reality, it needs a place to go when it's in your home and it needs a place that is really it's dedicated to them mm-hmm. it's a place for you to go and chat with them so you can knock on the door and say hey you gotta get a moment because i wanted to talk to you about that thing right right so what does that look like well i think it's different for everybody because it really depends on what kind of a home you have for yourself mm-hmm. um because this can be there are a lot of people who have traveling altars and people who have altars that they put on their body You know, like tattoo talismanic work can sometimes be a house for a spirit to dwell in being. So like it, the sky is the limit really on how this looks for you. Your bones and your animal body is going to tell you what is real for you. Your guts are going to tell you what's, what's what. I happen to be an incredibly materialistic person when it comes to my abode. So I want them to have a shiny sparkly place in a, a venerated location in my home Um, that I craft for them and build for them to be a part of that. But that's me and my preference. I don't necessarily travel with anything per se. Right. Or except for in my car when I have one. Or if you're in a place where maybe you cannot 
have this out in the open all the time because maybe you are not in a place where you were practicing openly. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're in a place where you live with other people, small children, animals, what have you, and things might get knocked over or bumped or dumped or just completely misappropriated and used in ways that you don't want them used. Sometimes it's a good good idea to have a shrine or an altar that's tucked away or hidden inside of a cabinet, behind a door, in a drawer, in a suitcase tucked under your bed. Mm -hmm. So those are just, you know, some ideas. When you're talking about building house for spirit, again, the sky's the limit. Your creativity will direct you where you need to go. I would say if you have the opportunity, get on the internet, do some, some image searches for like roadside shrines or altars or spirit houses and sort of like tickle your creativity and see what you like. There's a lot of beautiful stuff to be had and it doesn't have to be expensive. I've seen lovely shrines made out of yardsticks that you picked up at the hardware store and frames from the dollar store. Mm -hmm. Um, So it doesn't have to be a big, crazy, meticulous thing, but it can be. Often you just start small with a focal point and build from there. Mm -hmm. And I think just like meditation, what your spirit house altar space dedication space looks like or functions like is nobody's fucking business but your Mm -hmm. own and deity that you are working with because there's also querying them what do they want what do you know do they want a dollhouse where they have their own rooms in a parlor i mean that's that's kind of a thing too like it's it's whatever your relationship dictates it needs to be will manifest itself with effort and attention and focus right and if you're working thematically let's say you are working on building a life for yourself where you get to travel as part of your work right so you want to you want to work with that energy now maybe there's not a deity that speaks to you about traveling that's okay you create an energetic thought form that helps you with that traveling and you build a little shrine to that. So maybe it means for you, traveling is something that you like to do when you get places you like to walk around. So you put it in a shoebox, mm-hmm. right? Or you put in a little tiny suitcase or a cosmetic case or a train case or something like that. Or you decorate it with pictures of places that you want to go. It doesn't have to be specifically, I'm building a shrine to Apollo. Sometimes you're building a shrine to love mm-hmm. and, and that's great. Um, so it's just about picking where you're going and talking to the energy that you're working with about what it wants and needs. Some of them have really different aesthetics. Um, There are shrines in my house that are very minimal and there are shrines in my house that are covered in things. It just really depends on the energy that I'm working with. And it builds over time. There is no wrong way. I want to say that again. There is no wrong way. Right. And there are people who also have spaces in their homes where they've created these spaces but they say travel a lot outside of a pandemic um for their jobs where they also have like smaller versions of the altars that they have at home that they can travel with because it's important for them if they're gone for a week that they be able to still you know do their dedication work and with that deity so they take a smaller version or make a smaller traveling version Mm -hmm. that's We'll get through customs, we'll get through the TSA stuff, making sure it's all of that compliant kind of stuff um, that they can, you know, acquire, especially if they're going to a place where they don't know if they're going to be able to acquire said materials that they use for the feeding of and working with that spirit. Right, so maybe it's something as simple as like a little hinged tin that some mints came in 
that you have decoupaged the inside with a picture of Ganesh and you've got an orange birthday candle tucked in there to burn as an offering and a, an incense cone and, an in, and maybe like a piece of candy, right? That's mm-hmm. it. You're ready to go. Yep. Um, and it's that simple. It doesn't have to be a big elaborate thing. If you want to keep that connection with you, then you can tuck it in your suitcase. Mm-hmm. You don't have to put it in your suitcase. Carry it in your carry-on. I mean, right. they're probably going to open it because it's aluminum and there's weird stuff inside, but you're fine. It's just a candle and an incense cone and a piece of candy. So no big deal. Right. <laughs> So like this can take many, many forms. So in let's talk about different types of altars that and their purpose and function. Okay. Yeah. So for me, I have like a couple different kinds of altars in my house. I have devotional altars, which are the altars that I've devoted to a specific spirit, deity, um, thought form, what have you, right? And they're kind of like shrines where um, I hang out with deity there and I like candles and incense and leave them offerings of water or candy or what have you. And then I have my working altar, which is really sort of my workspace um, where I do magic stuff, whether that's um, charging up implements or making amulets or mixing up um, different oils or incense. My magic work gets done on my working altar. And that team for me tends to be cleared off because I live in a house with other people and I like to keep that place as empty as I can so that when I'm ready to do my next working, I bring all my supplies there. If you're lucky enough to have a space that's dedicated to that, that you can leave your stuff out, I am so jealous and, (laughs) um, that's awesome. So maybe if you have something that's permanent like that, then you could dedicate a focal point above your workbench. Maybe the work that you do is you're right now working on stuff that aligns with, you know, the moon. So maybe you hang a picture of the moon on the wall above your workbench to align you with that energy. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just so many places you can go with this. Well, right. And I, and again, there is no wrong. I know um, I do, I'm just getting into with doing my work and upping my magic game in my training of having devotional spaces that are a, that are a constant versus the working. And then I also have situational altars that I do for special high holidays, or if I'm working with a, a deity for a prescribed period of time where it comes up and it's up for a certain amount of time and then it comes down and it's in an, an unconventional space. I once did a, a 21 week long relationship and uh building and enhancing with yamaya and oshun together where i had altars of them in the bathroom in the water closet where the water flows um and they took over the entire sink on both (laughs) sides and i could so i could feed them and do the candles and it was beautiful and it was surrounded by mirrors so it could reflect the light which like there was a whole lot of symbolism as to why it was in the bathroom because I had a very large bathroom with a very large space and I could do all this beautiful thing and put the flowers floating in the water and be able to, cause you know, I'm in the bathroom a lot cause I'm a human. And so every time I could go in there, it would be devotional work, you know, whenever I was doing whatever. And then I could close the door and leave it so that the cat wouldn't mess with it <laughs> and that kind of stuff. But then once it, that time frame was done, all of that got busted down and you know, deconsecrated. So like the time was done. I've also done work with that with angelic beings where I've built a thing for just a time. Right. You know, 
Well, and that brings up the issue of placement. Like, there are a lot of people that will ask, well, where should I put my altar? That has to do with your own specific ideas about what different directions mean to you. For me, my altar to my ancestors, my beloved dead and the mighty dead, sits on the west wall of my house because to me, the western gate leads to the underground. Mm -hmm. Right, That's where the dead are, so I put that altar on the west wall. But that's just for me. I don't know what that is for everyone else. Um, but, you know, so if I was going to do some manifestation magic and wanting to work with the earth element, for me, I put it on the north wall. If I'm working on some generative magic because I'm trying to birth a project or an idea or another human, um, I would put that on the south wall because that's where fire is for me and that, that energy. So you get the idea. You put them where it makes sense, and obviously you put it where you have space. Right. <laughs> also, hygiene-wise, you have to be mindful of the fact that there may be some offerings that the deity and you do, like especially things like tobacco or mm -hmm. some kind of herbs. You have to be very, very cognitive of the fact that this stuff can be very harmful and poisonous to things like cats and dogs and gerbils and your crotch goblins and you know mm -hmm. that kind of thing so you need to either put them up high or put them in an enclosed thing because you don't want that to be an accidental thing because that would be tragic right so don't be dumb well like, and you do know do some research here's the thing is like it's an old joke about you can tell you know where a witch lives because there's a collection of jars everywhere <laughs> spirit doesn't need to be able to physically reach into a container to grab an offering so there's no reason why you can't put your tobacco in a used spice jar Right. Mm -hmm. You've cleaned it out. You've consecrated it for that purpose so that it's a vessel to go on your altar and you keep offerings in there that you don't want dispersed throughout the household. Maybe you're leaving an offering of some kind of plant material that everyone else in your house is maybe allergic to. Maybe they got hay fever. Yeah. You don't necessarily want to leave that out open, but to put it in a jar with a lid on it, perfectly fine. Spirit doesn't mind. They know it's there for them because you tell them and they can get to the energy of that and get what they need from it. Same thing with storage of it. Like I'm building an apothecary space of my consecrated materia mm -hmm. as a, I mean, I'm, I'm just kind of getting to the point where I'm realizing I have to consecrate all my materia and just like, it's just trying to remember for myself, this isn't consecrated and this is consecrated. I'm just fucking consecrating all of just it. Do it all. And then just making sure it's all in a place where I can feed it a prop properly to keep the vibe there and not have to redo that stuff. But you know, that's all we've been saving a lot of jars because you know, crazy artist people be like must save the jars yep. this will be useful yes it is so i had some dug out of the basement and trying to do that but it for for some people and some energies you gotta do your research like there are some spirits that if you work tobacco with them it's very very bad so make sure you know do that there's also issues with and our teacher talks about this too it's like if you're going to be offering things like liquor spirits mm -hmm. You need to make sure that, that that's a clear thing for your lineage. Say if you have some type of substance abuse in your background, that you that could be a trigger, like that can cloud some things. Or uh, tobacco addiction, if like smoking the tobacco and blowing the smoke is a thing. Like there's all these kind of attunements that you need to kind of don't just do because the interwebs told you to do it. You have to put this past your deity and put this past your own self. Okay, so we should talk about a couple things because we've Are talked. We talking about well, lots of well, specifically because we've we've used the word consecration a lot of times, correct? 
and maybe people don't necessarily know what that means. Um, and we've talked about like filtering it through yourself and deity and maybe you don't know how to do that. So okay, fair enough. that's worth revisiting. So consecrating a thing is cleansing it and making it sacred. What that looks like to you in your tradition, I don't know. To me in my tradition, to clean it, I run it through holy smoke, whether that's sage, frankincense, palo santo, um, myrrh, sandalwood, whatever is holy to you is what is holy to you, right? Mm -hmm. And then to make it sacred, I use a mixture of spring water and sea salt. And I just sprinkle that on it if it is an item that can take that. Like, obviously, you don't do that to things that dissolve in water. And salt. Yep. <laughs> um, and in those cases, then I would find something else. So maybe I would make an anointing oil or purchase an anointing oil if I am not in the habit of blending oils for myself. Not a beginner level craft, by the way. Right. And essential oils, <laughs> not to be fucked with lightly. Know what you're doing because it can be harmful. To you, to your animals, to right. your skin, to your psychic connection with spirits. Um, so consecration rituals, look them up as it pertains to whatever your particular pathway is. If you don't have one, run it through some holy smoke and sprinkle it with some salt dissolved in some water. Just right. as a person who's worked with essential oils for a long time, this is a PSA. If you live in a home with the feline friends, cats, mm -hmm. and you have some type of diffuser that you've been doing with essential oils, please stop immediately. Uh, um, the feline family does not have enzymic profiles in their liver to be able to handle parts per million diffused essential oils in the air like we do. So just so you know, that's a thing. So please stop. That's a PSA. <laughs> for the kitties. Uh, for the kitties. Puppies don't have that as much, but it is still a, a thing with, with pets. So be careful. Okay. And then we'll circle back to how do you know what offerings are right for spirits? This is a thing that you need to work out with the spirits that you're working with. Going to the internet and looking these up is okay but it is better because you are creating a personal relationship to ask. So what does that look like when you ask those questions? If you are not somebody who has been developing their psychic abilities, you're not clairvoyant, you're not clairsentient, you're not clairaudient, right? Those are not your things. Get a pendulum. That's sort of the quickest, easiest way to get answers, yes and no and maybes, right? And a pendulum is as simple as a heavy item that's on a piece of string. You do not need to go out and buy a $400 Herkimer diamond on a golden chain to get your answers. You can put a paper clip on a shoestring, okay? Um, just make yourself a little chart with like up and down, left and right, and then stuff that's kind of in the middle and talk to the pendulum and say, okay, I just want to get you um, calibrated. So can you show me what a yes looks like and hold it above and it'll show you if yes is up and down or left and right or in circles, whatever. And then make sure you're clear on that and ask for a no. Make sure you're clear on that and ask for a maybe. And then sit and talk to spirit and say, spirit, I want to make tributes to you that are in alignment with things that you like. Do you like cold water? Do you like fruit? Do you like flowers? Do you like sandalwood incense, right? And I'm, I'm saying, do you like? Understand that some spirits, if you don't ask, do you like? And you ask them what they need or what they would prefer, some spirits are kind of assholes. I stay away from spirits that tell me that they want offerings of blood. 
for instance. I have a finite amount of that available in my body, and I'm not willing to commit to a schedule of bleeding on something every single day to feed a spirit in the house. What else do you like? Um, and then you develop that relationship that way. If you are starting to develop your intuition, a pendulum is a really good place to start because it's super easy. You don't need to read a bunch of books and memorize a bunch of stuff. You just calibrate it every time you use it and you get your yes, no's and maybes and Bob's your uncle. And I have witnessed people who've started with that process do find that over time of using it, they start to be able to tell these things in their body mm -hmm. sense, in their in their how it feels and I'm pounding my chest right now like how it feels in their body so that the pendulum process is not necessarily needed mm -hmm. anymore because they've figured out what it feels like because of the scientific process of execution 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 with result 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 and so then they're like same thing with automatic writing like mm -hmm. I automatic wrote for a long time after I had done some work on a spirit board forever and my my guides and spirits were like, will you please graduate at least to automatic writing so we don't have to do this fucking spelly out quickie <laughs> shit? You know you can hear us. Quit it. Um, but that's me. Right. I do not. This is not me recommending you go out and work on a spirit board because that's nothing to be fucked with either. But like there are there are appropriately hygienic and safe ways for you to work with this stuff. Um, but it can start really small so that you learn to trust your own intuition. Well, and so what does what does a yes feel like? Yep. So for me, a yes, I, I find that my body leans towards things mm -hmm. that it's attracted to. And a no feels just the opposite. I pull away from things that I'm not attracted to and things that I'm ambivalent about, I just don't have a reaction to at all. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I ask spirit for. And so when I'm searching for something, let's say I'm looking for... I need an anthem for whatever this goal is, right? Like my goal is like, I love working out every day and going for a jog, right? <laughs> I need an anthem, right? And so- You I'll, need more than an anthem to get me to do that. To be chased by crazy people with guns. <laughs> Bulldozer. <laughs> get up, Dana, we're gonna run up this hike. Yeah, fuck that. All right, good luck. But I need an, an anthem. anthem. So so I'll listen to a bunch of songs and like there are songs that like they make sense intellectually, right? Or the rhythm is good or the pacing is good. Like intellectually it's the right song, but I don't get a feeling from it. And then I'll put a song on and suddenly my whole body is like crackling with energy and electricity. And I'm like, oh, that's the one. So there's some stuff going on in your blood and your bones and your guts and your brain that is worthy of attention when you are dealing with energy, spirit, deity, what have you. Correct. And everybody has a different language. Mm -hmm. You know, when I work with the All Father, Odin, his energy is a very specific signature for me. So that if anything ever tries to come through and says that it's him and I don't feel this familiar feeling, I kind of I go, ah, who the fuck are you? Um, and then I have a bunch of queries, like password protection, <laughs> that deity has to also pass. It's not just a like, this is the thing in working with spirit. It's not just a one-way street. It's not just like you put them in this reverent place and you say whatever. It's a relationship. It's a give and take situation. So you get to query. Don't forget you get to query and you get to go, yeah, I cry bullshit on that. No, you know, because I don't think blindly following anything 
is ever really wise. It's not smart magic. No, magic is for thinking people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and discerning inventing people. Right, and discernment is a big, big part of the process. And it's a skill that can take some time to develop. Yeah. Um, so you're dealing with spirit and spirit is its own thing. It's, it's like relating with an, another person. You want them to like you. Mm-hmm. And part of them liking you is that when you invite them into your home, you make them comfortable. You're a good host or hostess, right? You make sure that the place is clean, right? So when you have guests coming over, what do you do? Most of us like tidy up the living room because we're going to be hanging out in the living room. You don't leave our underwear on the floor in the bathroom. Yeah. yeah, tidy up the bathroom. Make sure there's toilet paper. Make sure there's some soap out. Maybe go out and give the welcome mat a little shake in case it's covered with pine needles or what have you. Um, maybe you light some candles because that's nice. The nice warm glow is inviting. Make sure that the kind of food they can have, like if they're gluten-free or they can't have eggs, that you don't serve that. Right. Because you know that about them because you've built relationship with them. Or you've asked them ahead of time, is there anything that you have that you don't dig? Like, I really hate tobacco. I turn into the gremlins thing. Don't feed me tobacco after midnight. I will kill everyone. You know, like, <laughs> good to know. Thanks. So, you know, I really hate Earl Grey. Noted. Noted. Um, that's. I have a spirit that dwells in my kitchen that he likes uh, offerings of milk and bread and cake and candlelight and cleanliness. He likes it when things are tidy. And when they're not, he throws salsa he on the floor. He throws things. <laughs> oh, Lord. So then you have to clean them yep. up. He throws salsa on the floor. He throws coffee pots off of the top of the refrigerator. He yanks shit out of the wall. Uh, yeah, he does crazy things when he's not getting his offering. And our deal is, hey, you keep the kitchen clean and I'll keep you from scorching the pots, dummy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I scorched a pot. Well, have you seen the kitchen lately? Oh, okay. I see what you're getting at. The cupboards are a mess. There's all kinds of stuff under the sink that doesn't go under the sink. That container of flour that's open has probably got weevils in it. Yeah, I see your point. I better, I better hold up my end of the bargain. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I find useful in holding up my end of the bargain is to have a schedule. How often do you clean your spirit houses? How often do you leave them offerings? When do you take away offerings? That is a big thing. So when you create this, should you be want to, home for them, you also have to understand that you're also helping keep it clear. If you're going to put foodstuffs, um, we we leave on our altar for Sri Ganesh. We, he loves citrus. So like right now, I just refreshed his altar. He's got coconut macaroons that he asked for, which I, because I was at the store and I was like, okay, when I go to the store, you need to tell me what you want because I've gotten you all this stuff, but I kind of feel like you're bored with it. So let's get you a new thing. And I'm going to get you a big fuck off grapefruit because I know that it's a big ask that I'm doing. And then I was like cruising around and he was like, coconut macaroons. And I went, okay. <laughs> I just put him in the cart. Like. Everybody's looking like, oh, fat lady's eating cookies. I'm like, not for me. And when I also buy stuff for deity like that, I don't get to eat it. Like that goes on the shelf for and gets consecrated for just his food because that's what he asked for. And even if I like it, I go, nope, it's, that's deity's food. And some deities are like, go ahead. Mine don't. 
I'll share with you. I don't mind because I know you're just going to put it outside for the squirrels. Right. And then when I'm done with, like, say I let the fruit be there because citrus, when it's not peeled, can last a very, very long time. And then I have a time where I'm like, okay, this has got to go out to the critters now. And I will prepare it for its consumption out there and dispose of it appropriately. And any candy that's done, we burn in the fire because, you know, just let it go up in the flames. Yeah, chocolate and stuff like that, not so good for our animal friends. No, especially you don't know when people's dogs are going to be running around. Mm -hmm. So that goes in the compost. Yeah, sometimes um, things go out and I bury them because it's not something that I want other animals to get to. Um, I have a special segment in my um, garden bed that I just put the burnt out ends of candles in when I'm done making a candle as an offering. So there's a special spot for those out in the garden that they go into the earth. And that's great. That's fine and well and good. If I do something and I burn it up in ashes, I have been wont to take my entire big ass cauldron down to the public park and climb down to the riverbed and try and fling ashes into the river only to have the wind change direction and have them blow all over me instead. <laughs> and everyone laughs. And everyone laughs. In every dimension. <laughs> and all the people going by with their bicycles, looking at the crazy woman with her cauldron down by the river, trying to dust ashes off of herself. You know, I'm, I'm sure some of them were like, God, I hope that wasn't a relative. <laughs> and you know are you going to be perfect at this every time are you going to forget shit absolutely you just ask for forgiveness and you clean it up and then you move on right so sometimes i may let a piece of mango sit on an altar a little bit longer than i should have terribly sorry about that let me clean it up for you and to make it up for you here's two yeah right they're pretty forgiving like um and minor noisy i have hungry spirits in my house <laughs> um because I have established that relationship. Like they know that I feed them what they need. And sometimes the feeding is not in the form of a tangible object. Sometimes the feeding is in the form of an energetic offering. Or a chant or a vibrational offering. Singing. Smoke. <laughs> uh, even just some sprinkling of holy water or fresh cool water. Um, really, it is the honoring of building and, and attending to, even if it's a small thing. There are times when I have big asks, there comes big offerings. Right. And then there are times where it's just your daily, like, hey, how you doing, phone call. Um, and it's like a stick of incense or like sprinkling of holy water and, and some chanting. Right. So here's the other thing about schedule and checking in with your deities or spirits or friends that you've invited to live with you because once you make them a shrine or a spirit house make no mistake about it you've given them a key correct they will come and go as they please They're, you're not going to just not be there unless you stop interacting and stop feeding them you you'll starve your friend to death don't do that have a schedule and if the schedule is every day i get up and i give my shrines and deities a fresh cup of cold water and I burn them each a candle and this one gets incense every other day and this one gets the other incense every other day like that so that we're rotating. You have a schedule. You need to stick to your schedule. And this is going to sound really trite and like I'm, I'm just being just completely glib about this. You've decided to have a relationship with this energy. You have to commit. Mm -hmm. You have to decide to commit. You have to decide. You know what? I get out of bed 
half an hour earlier than I used to every morning so that I can have this time to hang out with my new friend. I have coffee with them every morning or tea or Diet Coke, whatever your poison is, right? I sit and I talk with them. I light a candle. We have some discussion about what's going on in my life. I ask if there's anything they need or want from me that I can give them, right? But I've decided that I'm going to do that. And so I do it. If I don't do it, worst case scenario, some bad shit happens. But more often than not, they just say fuck you and they leave. Mm -hmm. As our teacher says, you need to be an active participant in your magical life, much like you are an active participant in getting up and taking a crap and taking care of your needs Mm -hmm. and feeding your children if you have them or what have you and making sure your pets are taken care of. It's the same mojo. I'm the kind of person that the first thing I do after I get up in the morning and take care of my biological necessities is I feed my dog, right? Feed and water my dog and I take my dog out to take care of his biological necessities. And then we come in and then I start visiting my shrines. And right now, guys, I think I've got five going in my house. So this is not a short process. You know, there's an hour of my life every day that I spend interacting with spirits in my home because I decided those relationships are a priority. Mm-hmm. If you're going to ask them for a favor, you better take care of them. Well, you can choose not to. You can ask the favor and you can be an asshole. Like you wouldn't ask a friend to help you move. And then not when they ask you to do something, you go, sorry. You know, that just, you're not going to have friends for long. <laughs> like there's a, it's like my mother gave me the most amazing, well, my mother's given me lots of amazing advice over the years. But the the one that I hold so dear to my being is that, She's like, friendships are like a garden that you have to constantly tend and pull weeds. And and you, any garden that you have, like Tangie and I have a garden, all right? And 50% of the responsibility to tend to it is mine. 50% of the responsibility is hers. Boundaries come into question if I start weeding her side of the garden because she's not doing it or she does that to me because I'm not doing my job. Chances are that relationship will eventually have some issues because we're not finding balance in our cultivating our garden. And it's the same thing with anything, you know, friendships, love relationships, family relationships, work relationships, uh, you know, professional relationships of people that are mentors, goals, magic, you know, (laughs) you are you're doing a big ask to ask some, some energy to lend its power to your power, there is a price to pay. Now you either do that willingly or you do it begrudgingly. That's up to you, which is you will which. Mm -hmm. But I have a tendency to want to have allies more than obligations. Yeah, I'm not a summon and command kind of person. I'm an invite and ask kind of person. (laughs) I have way too much belief in our ability to be sovereign beings and the responsibility. I don't always adhere to it in my own. Like, I don't, I'm not the perfect sovereign being. That's for damn sure. Um, But I certainly strive to understand it and do the work when I have the energy to do the work. Well, look, if you listen to the previous episode when we're talking about what is deity, like what does it mean to deify something? If you've done the work of taking a thought or a desire and deifying it, making it into a spirit, making it into a God form, you're responsible for its well-being. 
for its maintenance and upkeep. And that means the physical stuff of keeping its home clean, of keeping its belly full, and the psychic and emotional stuff of maintaining a relationship and communication with it. You don't get to make something or adopt something and then neglect it and pretend that you're doing your part. You're not doing your part. You must commit to doing your part. Spirit almost always is willing to meet you halfway, if not 60% of the way, because they know sometimes we're a little slow and incompetent. (laughs) Praise Astra on that one. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and it's the housekeeping thing. I mean, the biggest struggle that I have had in the last decade, because I pride myself at doing good altar. Like, it's a thing that I love. Hello, please be safe, everybody. Our wonderful firefighters that live down the street um, who are all super hot. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, My goodness. It must be it dinner must time be at the firehouse. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Wee-woo, I hope everyone's safe because that was just an ambulance. Um, so I... T- I've had a really hard time because so much of my stuff that I build my spirit houses and altars of has been packed because of the of the situation that I found myself in living with not having enough space and and then we got to move to Greyhaven almost a year and a half ago and I'm just starting to get to a place where we're settling enough where I can be like okay now I can build some more of my altars. But this is part of the process. You have to take care of the practical aspects of the home that you live in, in this dimension that we're inhabiting before you can start setting up gateways to another reality. Right. I have a very tiny shrine that I work with every day with Sri Ganesh because I made a commitment and I've done a bunch of road opening work with him since, since he gave us this house basically. (laughs) Um, since August of 2018. So it, uh, I, I'm scared actually to not do that work because I also know he's usually very delightful and easeful and I, but I also enjoy him very much Yes, and he's become such a good being friend that I, I couldn't imagine not working with him. Okay. Tangent. So I have a theory, you know, how Is there, it bunnies? there used to be. <laughs> There used to be an expression that when people were drunk, right, that they were seeing the blue elephants or dancing elephants. Okay. Right? I think it was because it was people who were in an altered state were partying with Ganesh. I believe that 100%. Because I see him dancing sometimes when we're mm-hmm. hanging out and doing, he gets super excited about sweet tarts, you guys. I, I don't know. <laughs> so I, that was just my tangent. Sorry. Another tangent that we were talking about earlier that I think is so funny. Um, I I think I've talked about this before. My relationship with Odin has been very long uh, in my magical life when I first discovered it back in the early 90s for me when I was a wee bairn. And we did a very big dedication when I stepped out on the Valkyrie path. And um, then he kind of went away. I don't know, like not a way away, but he was just like, I'll see you around. And I did a lot of work with Freya and I still work with Freya because there's a, there's a divine masculine, divine feminine aspect of my relationship with the Nordic Pantheon and what Odin and Freya's relationship represent for me. 
um, that may may or may not be um, in alignment with what we know from the Eddic sagas or something. I I think that's great, but I don't fucking care. It's my relationship with them is my relationship with them at a at a knowing level. So uh, Freya and I have worked for for a long time, and it's only been in the last couple of years that Odin has returned to my world very strongly on a daily basis. And um, Tanji and I were working on a project. A couple years ago, well, we were going to be da- dancing out into the divine masculine aspect, and we're kicking around some ideas and querying some of our peerage and stuff. And I was in my chair at home, and Odin showed up very casually, and he's like, "Ah, oh, so you're going to the divine feminine or divine masculine?" I'm like, "Yep, yep, yep." And he goes, "That's awesome!" And he's just literally standing with his hands on his hips like Gandalf. You know, looking around my tiny little, you know, 900 square foot apartment. And he's just like, great, 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 great. So, uh, where's my altar? And I was like, oh, snap. (laughs) And so then I went racing around the house looking for ways to make a spirit house for my all father. And I had nothing, nothing. I had nothing divine masculine anywhere in my stash to whatever. And I was like horrified was horrified and I got and that was his very gentle but very poignant way of calling me on my bullshit and hubris and saying you're adorable daughter you have a lot of work to do and I was spanked I was spanked (laughs) and then not so long after I had an experience with him at a convention a pagan convention where he literally jumped into my body which I had never hosted a male entity like that before and it was a ride let me tell you <laughs> and that's a kind of an intimacy that I have with that but it's like now there's little places for him all over the house like well you want to be in the living room you could want to be in here like he's he's like wherever he fucking wants to sit and that's just our thing right and yeah and, he, and I also you know put him on my body so mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a good thing but like that's my relationship experience with kind of and it it again your way is the way that it is for you it's just like tangi said earlier you when you make a decision make a decision and and stick with it it's it's a contract yeah it's very yoda there is no try there is only do mm-hmm. because trying won't get you the results that you're looking for you may get some temporary results you may get some results that take a long, 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 long time. You may get some results that manifest only to be taken right the hell away from you. You have to decide and then you have to do. And I think it's also the nature of like, like what your goals are. There are some energies that I work with because I'm very goal oriented. I need their assistance to execute this project. And we work together for that time. And then there are those I think that's the kind of description I have of devotional. When I have a devotional piece in my house, a space for them, it's because I consider them part of my lineage, part of my family. And until such time that they say we're done, um, it's a, I don't necessarily look to get anything out of it. It's just because they, they provide for me an archetypal relationship that I'm needing to balance my stuff out. Does that make sense? Yep. So again, this gets to be whatever you need it to be. Just make sure that you and your conversations with this relationship determine together using divination tools, using deep elevated states of meditation, whatever your your hook into that energy is, you have a conversation and you build. You wouldn't 
necessarily build somebody. Like if you had all the money in the world and you went and say, I'm going to, I'm going to go build Tangie a house because I know she wants it. And I don't ask her how she wants her kitchen. I don't ask her. And I just go build this fucking house and then put a blindfold on her and go, look what I did for you. And she's like, that's awesome. But I can't have stairs because of my mom. And like, you know, like it's, it's, it's like awesome that you meant to do that, but when you didn't take into consideration that the, they have needs, yep. then it is kind of like, right, I need you to burn a candle for me every day. Please don't make my shrine out of a cardboard box, right? Yeah. Um, and we should talk about that too. Um, before you get all hung up on it, you do not need to go out and spend hundreds of dollars on a piece of statuary. Right? Because you've decided, I want to worship Apollo, so I'm going to go spend $500 on a statue of Apollo that I don't have, so I guess I just won't pay my rent this month. No, you're not, honey. You're going to go to your computer, and you're going to look for images of Apollo that you like, and you're going to find one that makes your whole body go, yeah, and then you're going to print it, and that's going to go on your altar. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a printer, then you're going to draw Apollo's symbol on a piece of paper, and you're going to put that on your altar. You don't need big, fancy shit. What you need is something that makes your bones vibrate when you look at it. Right. And that it has a practical aspect to of functionality for you in a safe manner. One of my favorite places to go find building block materials for altars is thrift storing and garage selling. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's just uh, my designer brain goes, ooh, look what I can do with this. Because then I also put energy into putting my creativeness into gluing a bunch of shells to this old mirror frame so Yamaya has a place to gaze at herself because she loves that. And I made that for her mm-hmm. out of stuff that I flotsam jetsam, which is what the ocean is, is a place where we have a tendency to to have pretties or we throw flotsam jetsam or whatever. And, and, and it delights her because I did that, you know? Yeah. As opposed to I went out and bought a big expensive statue of her. I made her a thing. I am not in a place right now where I can just go out and go shopping and get what I wanted, but I really needed to start my work with Mercury. So I sat down and I drew a picture of Mercury, which, you know, gods and goddess be praised. I actually have a little bit of talent with that. Yes, you do. So, so that's a thing for me, but maybe it's not for you. You know what? It's fine. Get yourself like some parchment paper and trace something right off of your computer screen. Nobody's going to say that you cheated. You found something that works for you. You're working with what you've got, which is the basics of magic anyway. Work with what you've got on hand to get what you want in your life. And what you want is a representation of the spirit, deity, or energy that you want to work with. And if that's drawing an astrological symbol, or if it's just writing Apollo on a piece of paper, that's enough. That's enough to let them know that you're getting started. And trust me when I tell you this. They'll start providing you with things that they want in their spirit house. They'll just show up. You'll just be out minding your own damn business. And there, wow, that's a really cool picture of a Greco-Roman guy with like a chariot with a sun on this. Oh, that's Apollo. It's $2? Yeah, that's for me. Mm-hmm. Hail Apollo. This is going home to your altar. They will provide if they want more. All that they ask for you to do is to like get the process started, declare your intention to have a relationship and to be devoted to that relationship for a specific or non-specific amount of time. Mm-hmm. The pretty baubles and things will come. Yeah, it's like anything. You know, when you start a new relationship with somebody, the very first like winter holiday gift you buy someone is kind of a sort of stab in the dark. 
because you've maybe not known them for very long. But by the time, if you're lucky and you've done the work to have that relationship for 10 years, you absolutely totally know what they love. And you're always looking for it 24 seven because you know that your beloved is going to love it. Or, you know, your beloved just loves shit that you made for them. Mm hmm. Right. I'm a crap decoupage artist, but she's got a piece of decoupage that I did that she absolutely cherishes. Bless it's her not heart. crap. It's awesome. <laughs> Shut it. It's one of my favorite things. <laughs> I have lots of tangy art. But I always think my art sucks. So yeah, boo on you. But um, yeah, like and that's a thing like I think it's beautiful that my relationships with a lot of deity that I work with are known by my beloveds because I have worked with them long enough that my beloveds then will make things for me and them mm -hmm. because they know how dear that relationship is to me, just like my relationship with, with my friends are, you know? And that's what I really work hard to try to do in it. And again, not perfect at it. I completely fail my friendships a lot and I fail my deities a lot. And that's just where it is. And, and it's, you know what, you figure out what to do to get back in favor. And a lot of times we get in our own way and we think it's a big, huge deal no. to fix. No. It's really not. Just like, seriously, I just need a Pop-Tart and we're all good. Yeah. You know, like. I'm sorry I was an asshole. I left town for a week and I left this piece of mango sitting here in your dish and now we've got a fruit fly infestation. Yeah. I will take care of that. Would you mind helping me with the fruit flies? Yeah. <laughs> right? It's just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll do better. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yep. So in essence, you know, whether it's a working altar, devotional altar, travel altar, like, like anything, like washing the dishes, it requires maintenance if you're going to make stuff and manifest things out of nothing or take them and transform them from raw materials to finished materials for sustenance. Like all of these things are transformational projects that you engage your whole world in and your deities being involved in that are no different than your roommates or whatever. They're exalted and elevated because they have the ability to do things that we can't if we believe them to be. Well, and that's a whole nother episode. Mm -hmm. But I'm just going to put it this way. I think that our ancestors or our beloved dead, who are not necessarily related to us by blood, but are related to us by our emotional attachments to one another, are able to work things a little bit more effectively for us because they have more recently inhabited this plane and they have more recently inhabited the orbits of your life than spirits that were maybe never human. But that's just my theory. Right. And I think we haven't really touched on ancestors that much as per, per you know, just speaking of Didi, but that is true. Like elevated ancestors have a direct connection to you in terms of they were most likely embodied with you at some mm -hmm. point. They can be part of blood. They can be part of chosen blood. They can be soul pod families that we've talked about before. And they have one foot in this world and one foot in the other side so that they become really wonderful allies to translate stuff. Right. And so when you talk about spirit houses, shrines, and altars, understand in shorthand what you're really talking about is a doorway into the other world. Mm -hmm. Which is why for me, like, I think it's awesome when I see spirit houses with doors on them because that's a really like visual device for me to be aware that like I'm opening a door right now. 
Mm-hmm. And that space is a space that's in between here and there, right? So that's that's important. That's an important thing. Understand the shrine or altar that you are creating is a magical place and it has an energy of its own and that's an energy that also needs to be honored it's enough to go to your spirit house or shrine and make offerings to the to the energies that live there the spirits that live there and stuff but every once in a while you maybe want to clean the house right dust off the roof clean off the welcome mat and tell the house thanks for being a door and a conduit because it's got a job that it's doing as well and that's important to acknowledge the contribution that's going on on there as well. And that's just like my weird belief system that things have feelings. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and things respond to frequency, whether it be frequencies of high conductivity or frequencies of neglect. Right. So there is a place here in the neighborhood that I had not been to in a number of years that I traipsed down to last week. Um, that the Fae inhabit. And I went down there and I saw a lot of disarray, a lot of neglect, a lot of abuse, garbage and litter and um, just people with weird wonky energy. Um, and I went down there and while I was there, I kind of just set up a little altar right by the little stream, right? And it wasn't anything crazy special. It was, you know, some rocks and some sticks balanced on some rocks. And um went and gathered a couple little flower buds here and there where the flowers are like, pick me, pick me. And um, just sort of left them there by the stream for the spirits of that water and the spirits of that place. And I'm sure that it's been kicked over or fallen down by now. And that's okay because that was a temporary space for me to make a bridge so that I could parlay with the spirits of the land. And that's fine. Altars don't have to be there forever. They can just be there for a few minutes. It's okay. As long as the intention is clear, like I need to open a door and in order to open the door, I'm just going to build this doorway. Which we all have the power to do that. And I think that's the hard part. Living in this meat suit and having a lot more lower vibrational experiences and getting caught up and swept up in the things we think are important about the way we are and who we are and our our own spirit houses that we build in the world to drive Mm -hmm. around is that we are key holders. We are makers of doorways whenever we want to empower ourselves to do so. Um, we also, and I, you know, this is a whole nother show that we've talked about wanting to do, but like being asked to be a guardian of a portal that mm. is opening, you, you also have to kind of commit. If, you're, if you choose to commit to being a keeper of a portal or a keeper of a doorway, which can also be your spirit house or shrines, you also have to be willing to be a sheriff. Yes. And make sure that you're policing what can come through that doorway and what can't. Mm-hmm. And knowing how to prepare yourself for that. And also working with deity to say, like, this is a this is a sacred space. This is yours. We got to keep it clean. And nothing that is not in anyone's best interest can come through into this world. And you have an expectation and you have to ask, but instead of just assuming, that your deity working on the other side of that doorway is also policing that as well that's just a safety thing and some i think for me just some physical talismans that i use outside of my doorways um i like black tourmaline crystals um that i have charged specifically with the duty of absorbing dissonant energies and frequencies that are not here to serve the best good for the household Mm -hmm. um so that just sort of works as an energetic scrubber 
and once a month when I'm cleaning my shrines and altars, I take those out into the moonlight and cleanse and reconsecrate them and release those energies. Like, I don't want to keep you. I don't want to imprison you. But you're not welcome here in this space where I dwell. Please go on your merry way. Um, but that's just, that's a practice that I've adopted. Where I learned to do that, heck if I know. I just decided one day that was a thing I needed to do. But that's, that's me and I'm a weirdo and that's how I do my magic. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever your pathway tells you to do to ward and protect entryways is probably what you should do. Yeah, like we use iron in some places of, in the past, we're, we're beloveds of mine, we're, door, we're portal keepers. Because they had to make sure that they could stay in this reality when they weren't walking into another dimension and not being able to get back. Mm. You know, so, but you also, like, we work with a lot of fey energy and fey energy is not particularly fond of iron. So you need to be careful and be mindful of what energies will deter and hinder and hurt and harm. So it, like, it means that there's work. There's, like, again... The interwebs are great and not saying that should be your only thing. But if you do have query, like if you're like, I don't trust what the information that I'm getting, mm-hmm. go use your resources. Find somebody who has done this kind of work before. Ask them some questions, you know, and then vet it, vet that that data through your own body. And it will tell you, use some pen. That's when cracking out a pendulum again is yep. really helpful. Um, and I just recommend that because it's a good beginner's tool that you can make from crap that you've probably got laying around, right? That wasn't special until you turned it into a magical telephone to call up the other side and say yes, no, or maybe, right? And just because it needs to be said, do not leave candles unattended. Blah. Look, I, I don't want to have to have the safety conversation, but here goes. Uh, chocolate is bad for your pets. Candles cause fire and uh, essential oils can be poisonous to your kitties. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're all grown ass witches and wizards and sorcerers and magicians, and, magicians and, and, and people on a path, right? So we don't really need to be reminded of that. But just in case there's a lawyer listening, please don't burn your house down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would just be bad. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure that your insurance companies can be like, you did what? Oh, no, no, no. Oh. Yeah. So, I'm all for Phoenix energy, but uh, be responsible with that. Anything else we want to talk about with altars? and? Um, you know, I do have uh, a question that I wanted to ask you while we were talking about doorways and portals and in-between spaces. Um, a lot of people get really weirded out by mirrors. I personally do not, but I also have a practice of sort of warding every mirror that comes into my house so that it does not become a portal without my expressed consent and knowledge. Correct. Um, but are there some things that I, I will share some of the things that I do if you will share some of the things that you do? Yeah. Mirrors for me, um, I don't have a lot of them around and I, I would absolutely tell you right now that that is completely unconscious. Um, some of it has to do with my own sensitivity of self-worth and I don't like what I see, but also I think there's a deeper thing where I know it's a magical portal. Um, especially like I will deal with them in the bathroom, but I won't necessarily deal with them in my like sleeping space. Okay. You know, um, I will, I will like to have them sometimes in like a pass through hallway, but then I also try to ward them so that they're, if they're anything, you can maybe see me, but you can't come through. I can maybe see anything, but I can't go through unless it's been an agreement. Um, I do know that there are specific little weird quirks like my, 
mirror that I use for my like toilet toilet what do they call it in French to- uh, <laughs> toilette toilet toilette um, I will not leave that face up all of my mirrors whenever they're handheld always get placed face down hmm. just to create that infinity loop from inside or whatever but they can't get through here and I it's only when you ask that question that I realize oh that's what I do so again <laughs> way way back in my unconsciousness my unconscious mind goes, uh, no, fucking turn that over. Even when I've left, um, like I have a very small palm mirror, even when I've left it open, I'll like walk by and it's like a compulsive thing. Like it's like, fucking turn that over. What are you doing? It's in your bedroom and you're not here. So I went, oh, okay. Even when I've spelled it, it's still a very powerful tool. So that's my answer to that question. What about you? I am the direct diametric opposite. I love mirrors. There are one, two, three, four in my bedroom. <laughs> there is a giant, enormous one in my bathroom. There are, there's one in my living room facing one in my dining room. People freak out about that, that you shouldn't have mirrors facing each other because you'll create a portal, loop, portal. portal into another dimension. Um, I don't worry about that stuff. I have a mirror in my hallway. That's my magic mirror that I got from an antique store that I'm absolutely enamored with. It's like, this cheesy 70s fake Rococo gold mm-hmm. frame thing that I just, I'm, I love it, right? But I ward all of my mirrors and I do that every month, right? I clean them with glass cleanser just like anyone else. Um, and then I will go through and I will take some of my sacred waters and I'll trace a protective sigil on them. Uh, the one in the bathroom is particularly... There's something about that mirror that does make me slightly uncomfortable. So that one actually does have two iron nails um, that came from our dear friend Mm -hmm. um, that I've used to ward that one down because I have had incidents with that mirror. Okay. That one is kind of unruly. Um, So I have warded that one down more tightly than the other ones because the other ones don't seem to be as active. Active. there's a mirror that I got from you that came from this house. Um, yeah, that came from us. Like in May, I was like, lock this shit down. I don't know what's been going on in this house with it, but lock it down. Yeah, it's it's warded okay. Um, but I also use it as sort of a background when I'm doing my videos and stuff. So you see it a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a beautiful piece. I like the way that it reflects candlelight. Um, I like the way that it reflects the little bit of sunlight I get in the condo through the two windows that we have in the whole place. Um but I tend to just wore them down when I clean them. I will clean them with the Windex and I will put my, I'm doing this like you can see me. <laughs> just like gesticulating right. all over the place. Right. So, so I will, I will like clean them and physically with my hands, like put a shield on them. Mm-hmm. Right. Like a no sign to the other side that says, uh-uh, you can't come through here. Right. Underground's closed. You'll have to take the stairs. Um <laughs> Because that's how I ward them. And I'll ward them with, you know, some blessed waters, which may be some stuff that I've done sea salt and water in. Maybe I charged it in moonlight on a specifically powerful moon. Maybe I've charged it in ritual. Um, I tend to be kind of loosey-goosey about warding stuff. But I know mirrors can be doorways and portals to the other side. And people get a little twitchy about that. I am of a mind that that's another tool. And um, as long as I am using it, and I am aware of it, and I am in control of where I am going, I find them to be very useful. I will sit in a circle of mirrors if I want to work with my deep ancestors, because that seems to be a way they like to come through. Well, and I, 
I realized that the, I do a lot of mirror work in when I did wedding work. I did mm-hmm. a lot with light and mirrors in the container of creating atmosphere for people celebrating their union vows and the celebration of the community. I almost always encouraged when I would do the reception work, I would include mirror as much as possible because A, it's also really helpful to reflect the light and to reflect I mean, it just makes this kind of prism energy happening around this newly minted couple. Um, in the hopes that that magic would help them cement, you know, whatever they need. But I realized that that was also unconscious. But I've also never been super drawn to like scrying mirrors um, because I, I think because I do almost everything clairaudiently, I do not, with the exception of my dreaming, I do not see, like even when I'm dealing with seeing quote unquote ghosts, I will see them out of the corner of my eye. I feel them and get their words and can I can describe them, but I'm not actually physically seeing them through my eyeballs. Okay. So I think a, scrying would be difficult for me because it's not a skill set I have. It is an altered state skill set. Mm-hmm. I, because I am not somebody with a visual imagination, mm-hmm. when I scry and I see stuff, I know that I'm seeing something. Um, and what is normally most successful for me is that I need to be almost in a hypnotically induced state so that I am disengaging my conscious mind and allowing my subconscious to see. I need it to be a low light environment. I need the room to be just the right temperature. Sure. Um, and I need it to be um, just very still and quiet. Um, so just like optimum meditation mode and my black mirror is okay, but I have had better luck, honestly, um, with bowls full of water. Mm. Um, and I think it's just because of my affinity for water. Yeah. Which is personal and I'm not going to talk about that right now. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So the, the mirror thing for me, I would say is almost 98% unconscious behavior for myself. Um, when I worked in fashion, I had more mirrors around me. And, and again, I would say that there is an unconscious connection for me to not liking what I'm seeing in the mirror. Like I have a dysmorphia about the space I take up as a fat lady and as a, as a Valkyrie queen walking through the world at six foot five, like I know the height I am. And, but then when I see myself in pictures, I'm like the fuckity because, and so I think for me, mirrors would trigger a little bit more like stuff that I don't, I, especially when I'm on stage and performing, I have a totally different idea of what I am presenting physically than what maybe is. And I don't necessarily need to have the outer reflection interfere with what is doing. Cause I think it wouldn't, it would fuck my brain up and I wouldn't be able to do what I do. So here's the thought. It's just like spitballing. Because your body is the house of your spirit. Correct. When you are performing, you're performing from a a place of spirit. Correct. The house is irrelevant. Correct. So what you are seeing or envisioning in your mind, right? Because you're not seeing yourself, is your spirit. Correct. Which is beautiful and perfect. And that's why I have zero, like I have zero stage fright hardly ever. I've had stage fright lately because I have had a new 
experience with anxiety that I've never had before since the cancer. Okay. And so that is something, and since the panic attack started, which was during the time that I was, you know, before we knew I was sick. So that's a whole nother thing to unravel prior to that, since I was fiercely jumped up on stage at four years old. Um, and I wasn't always a fat diva. So it wasn't just about the like fat diva. like I was programmed in my DNA level <laughs> to be on stage doing the things. And I had nothing but ferociousness about it. I never worried about anything as long as I felt put together. And even that I just, just do it. It's only in reflection later if I see pictures of it or whatever that I start to go, ugh, which I think is why I've kind of pushed mirrors away. I've recently just shopped for a mirror for my bedroom. Um, but that was a, I realized like that's a, that's a really big deal because it is also inviting a portal potential into my room that then I have to, because I think for me, it's also about the capacity to manage the gateway. And, you know, we're waiting for this portal that's running through the house to pop. And so I think I want to, I'm, I'm con unconsciously waiting until I know what that looks like and feels like to know how much energy I can actually give to maintaining another portal. Does that make sense? Yep. Because I have a beautiful mirror that I wanted to put up downstairs, but it's not going to fit. The one that was in my other apartment, the gold, beautiful mm -hmm. round thing. And it's going to come up here, I think, in this hallway, right in the portal. Oh. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, crap. So there's definitely going to have to be some maintenance for that. So maintaining one that's in the thing and the portal and the one in my room, I'm like, I don't know that I have the capacity for all of that. But I have decided that there needs to be the work I need to do with my own self-love is happening with that. You know, like I don't even hardly look at the mirrors in the bathrooms because A, they're kind of short for me. <laughs> so, but yeah, so, but mirrors are like, a, they're a big deal. Okay. For me. So that was that was a crazy tangent that we went off on, yes. but I just I felt like it was something we needed to discuss. And well, I think it's something that people need to think about too, because there's a lot of people that I could see going, "Oh, I'm going to put this mirror in this shrine, or in this thing," and I'm like, "Well, let's make sure you're talking about that fully with deity. Like, are they going to watch the gateway? Are you going to also watch the gateway? Like, that's that's another invitation for another layer of your portal." responsibility well, and here's my thing if i'm gonna build a shrine to an underworld deity i'm not putting a mirror in but a love deity maybe yeah. but if i if i'm dealing with the morrigan or hecate or hades or, or inanna <laughs> or something i'm not putting a mirror in there and this is my reason because mirrors are sometimes things that i can see things in there are things in the underworld that i don't want to see I do not want to look in the mirror and see myself looking back at me and then seeing someone standing behind me in the underworld looking back at me who maybe is looking to hitchhike out. Because that's a real thing. Yeah. So a whole nother show. That's a real <laughs> thing. Um, and also because mirrors can also not necessarily show you the reflection of your shadow sometimes. It can also show a reflection of a probable future mm. or a probable past. And and you're, if your psyche is not in a place to be able to discern what reality you're looking at, that's something that the dream time is very difficult for me at times to know, like, okay, as a lucid dreamer, 
what's real right now? Where am I in the universe right now? And is, you know, so mirrors can also trip you up that way, I think, sometimes too, because they're very powerful portals. Well, and there's a trick there. You know, there is something inherently tricky. Well, like, look at the funhouse mirror thing. Like, how many movies, horror movies or uh, supernatural movies, are there always things where the reflection of a reflection of a reflection of a reflection doesn't necessarily mean that the trueness is shown or the trueness of what you really are is really showing. Like, that's a that's a deal. That's well, a thing. And, you know, Narcissus is a cautionary tale. Correct. <laughs> correct, correct. He fell, fell into a pool looking at his own reflection. Or so that's what the story says now. Mm-hmm. It could have been a trap that he was put in because he was freaking malignant on the land. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. We do know that there is a possibility that if you gaze at your reflection long enough, you're going to see some strange things. That's scientifically proven that something happens with the way our brain interprets those inverse images when we look at them for a long time. Um, We start to see morphing in our facial features, which is why some of our urban legends about malevolent spirits that come out of mirrors require for you to stand in a near dark room looking in a mirror, looking in yourself in your eyes for a really long time. And doing an invocation. Right? There is some tricks that go on in your brain that your brain gets kind of... (laughs) One of the images I'm always fascinated with, but when I look at it way out my side eye, is whenever a photographer or an artist has set up a shot where it's a mirror that's reflecting a mirror that's reflecting a mirror when it goes into it like what seems like a straight line and you just kind of go this is seeing all the different parallel gateways and is this what we really need to be doing right now when we fucked up our world so much i don't think so like you know (laughs) you're being dangerous mr photographer mrs photographer you need to knock that shit off um and, and i have a visceral reaction to that oh so the infinity mirror is not a good thing for you. No, no thank you. well, it, I don't. I wouldn't say that it's not a good thing. Like I run away screaming, but I look at it with a whole lot of like, don't want to do that again. Like there's something in my animal body that says, warning, danger. Please pay attention. Don't fuck this up. And and again, my unconscious mind knows some shit. I'm sorry, you're not trained to deal with this That's many right. permutations. You are not ready for this information. <laughs> So, yeah, but yeah, so that was a nice tangent, but I think it wraps up nicely with making sure if you're incorporating mirror into the altar work with your deities or spirits or elevated ancestors, you understand your relationship with mirrors and that it's an agreement that you understand. And we could totally be talking on our ass because what the fuck do we know? But, you know. I can only tell you what I've experienced. Yep. And I can only, you know, sort of like make some semi-educated guesses. Um, because I don't know everything about everything. I know a little bit about a lot of things, um, but I am by no means an expert. I have been long, long, alive long enough to know this much is true. I don't know anything. Yep. So we really love that you've joined us for this three-part series. We look forward to bringing you other part series as they arise. But um, we were very inspired by creating this Working With Deity, partly because we've both been through our teachings uh, with our working with our mentors and teachers. This has been a, a refreshing of stuff that we thought we knew and stuff that we needed to learn. And um, of course, it's springtime. So that's always the time of recommitment and renewal. So it's a perfect time for you to uh, take a look at all your relationships in your life, especially when we're going through this uh, retrograde, like, mash You know, uh 
April 25th, we just went through, we entered Pluto in retrograde. Then on the 13th, which is today, is Venus. Um, just on Monday was Saturn. And uh, tomorrow is Jupiter. And then on the 18th of May, Pallas Athena, which is a very significant asteroid that's effective to us, is going into retro. And all this stuff is going into retro pretty much until the fall. Yay! So you get to be locked in quarantine, either alone or with your housemates, dealing with issues around death and boundaries and relationships and money and expansion. <laughs> your smallness versus your bigness. <laughs> and also dealing with, you know, how are you going to deal with what is coming up and being having to be reworked because the way it worked up to this point is no longer going to be working where we're going. But here's an opportunity to be deconditioned from all the societal programming that you have been conditioned with up until this point. Hmm. Take advantage of this time to examine the tapes that are running and the programs that are playing and the must-haves and the should-dos and it's expected of me's and decide if those things are fucking true and relevant to you anymore. Correct. Be willing to let things go. Be willing to understand that these things no longer serve. That's what uh, any type of retro period in a planetary uh, cosmic way um, gives us an opportunity to do that. It's the ability to vet and discern. And if it's one thing our current democracy has a problem with, it's vetting and discerning well. <laughs> and so I really hope we win. Um, but it really begins with you. Like, if you want to be the change you want to see in the world, you gotta fucking walk it out and do your work. Yeah, do the fucking thing, right? You know, you gotta <laughs> start it. I'm super great at like trying to look at every single risk management option before I put something into play. But when I put something into play, I don't fuck around and it goes bam and doom and bang. And and so I have to be. That's my process. I have to be make sure that I go. Okay, how am I gonna damage control this if I fuck it up a little bit? so that I understand that I can pull out mm. or I should say redirect and pivot. Um, because once I decide to do something, I there I'm labia to the wall and let's just do it. Right. Yeah. I may dive in and get straight to the deep water kind of person. Whether you can swim later, you're like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I might die. If, yeah. I don't know <laughs> if I have enough oxygen, whatever. <laughs> you're exactly like my friend Tamara when we would game, if there was some like portal that would open, we weren't careful. She would just dive right in and we'd all be like, fuck. <laughs> to like go in whether we wanted to or not because she just never gave us a chance but like it's that same kind of thing like i i love that i need that around in my life because it reminds me to shit or get off the pot without analyzing it to death because i'm a control freak and i want to make sure everything's gonna be okay because ultimately what it comes down to is the this question am i safe and so that's not something to sneeze at but it is something that i know is at the root of my being so well, then the next question is, even if I'm not safe, do I still think it's worth the risk? Sure. And that's the vetting and discerning part. Right. right? So that that's just where I'm at with all this. And as I'm looking at all these things, especially the Palace of Fina, I'm like, fuck, I'm going to have to clean my room. <laughs> Which I want to do. And once I dig into it, I'm fine. And I just go like a crazy person. But it's the getting to that part and having that energy. It's like, you know, when you have to do that thing where you then clench your solar plexus and you bear down on your colon and you're like, oh, and then you do it. It's it's that part. Yeah, that's me every time I got to put the laundry away. Yeah. 
it's a small thing, you guys, but you would think I was wrestling with demons because the laundry basket will sit there for a week and a half before I finally relent and go put my laundry away. And it takes all of 10 minutes, but I've wasted, you know, 972 hours trying not to do it. Sometimes you just have to decide to do the thing and then do it. And then deal with whatever happens after. Because it's about being alive. I mean, that's about being an active participant in your world. Like you, you, I really believe you're not going to get what you want or what you desire because want is a difficult charge word. But you're not going to manifest the world that you need right now by just thinking about it. it. You have to actually take action and do it. You have to provide the spark of, the, of ignition with the applied friction and the frequency. That's what we have to grok. And here's the deal. If your side of the bargain for getting some help from the other side is this. You show up every day. You light me an incense stick. You light me a candle. You sing me a song. You leave me some candy. You tell me thank you. And I push those things that you want in your direction. Mm -hmm. It's an incense stick and a candle and some candy and a song. And it's five, ten minutes out of your day. And I push those things that you want in your direction. I'm the rudder on your boat, okay? And you're sailing on the water. You don't know where the thing is that you want, but I can feel it. So I'm going to be the rudder and I'm going to steer you toward it. Just give me a candle. Give me five minutes of your day every day. Guys, that's that's a present. That's a gift. Well, that's a bargain. It's also know what you want. Like, what are you asking for? Be clear. The only way to get clear is to meditate about it and figure it the fuck out before you ask. And don't be afraid of what you want. Uh-huh. Don't be ashamed of what you want. Don't think that you can't have what you want. Or that it's petty or that it's small or that it's frivolous. It is what it is. Yeah. Sometimes you want somebody to be nice to you. Sometimes you want a premium parking space. Sometimes you... You need this person to get the fuck out of your life. Yeah. You know? It's okay. Yep. What you want is valid. And what you have to do to get there is decide, I want this and I'm going to do what it takes. And the rest of it's on you. Nobody gets to tell you with their judgment or their shoulda, coulda, wouldas how you get there or what, because it's none of their fucking business. You know, how you do your thing is how you decide to do your thing because it's between you and the universe. Yep. Your spirit is yours. You get to decide what you do with it. There's karma points that need to be paid and you accept that price. Okay. And? I would like to say, you know, I'm not here to judge, but sometimes I do. And I have to remind myself that that's not my job. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I need to remind myself that it's not my job to judge myself. Correct. Put it aside. You want what you fucking want. Make it happen. Yep. And working with deity is a really great step in the direction for those things to manifest. But there's work involved. And so we hope that this series gives you a little tiny gateway into what's possible for you um, and that inspires you to want to do the work to make your life better. We're in a really interesting Petri dish where all this retroactive cosmology can be used in your favor. It is not just negative. Just because something's going backwards doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means that it's different than when it's most of the time going forward. Oh, it's time to reflect. Look, we're back on mirrors. Right. 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 
So with that, my friends, thank you very much, Miss Tangi, for a lovely first time three-part series on Yay, the Spiritual Frequency. We We're thing. super excited. We, um, we hope you will tune in with us next week. Uh, you can find us on thespiritualfrequency.com. You can find us on Facebook at the Spiritual Frequency, both our page and our we have a uh, private group. And you can petition to you know come into that and play with us there. Um, you can reach us at spiritualfrequencyhosts at gmail.com if you have any feedback. And we certainly hope that this finds you and yours and your beloved safe and in a place of health. And we look forward to speaking to you next week because we'll always have more stuff to, t to talk about because we're opinionated bitches. Yeah, there is that. Go vaginas. And, and being that, if you are the kind of person who needs this, we would officially like to grant it to you. If you need permission to want what you want, if you need permission to do what you do, hereby, by the powers vested in us by absolutely nothing, <laughs> we do hereby grant you the ability and the authority to do what you want to do. Ring, sparkly, ching-ching wand, bing, make it so. So I'm looking forward to hearing what you cook up this week, and we can't wait to tune in with you again on The Spiritual Frequency. <laughs>